you? I'm well, thank you. Njanwen? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me this evening. Akona, I want us to maybe start out in Kabecha, uh, Africa's largest pharmaceuticals manufacturer, Aspen. Now, where many of us would know they've got a, a full operation there for the J&J vaccine. Um, and uh, it seems now they've made a further advance uh, to now uh, accessing some of the intellectual property rights to manufacture a version, I would argue, I guess, of, of the J&J vaccine that uh, they uh, would, uh, I guess, yeah, uh, distribute out into the African continent. It's called Aspenovex. Uh, and uh, I guess this is a shift from just you know, filling out vials with uh, the solution uh, made elsewhere and uh, now potentially having the possibility of manufacturing it here at home. Yeah, so these were great news, particularly for Aspen. Um, the stock was up to excess of 6% um, on the good news that came out today, um, in which um, Aspen, well, particularly Johnson & Johnson, um, granting Aspen um, intellectual property license um, to produce um, vaccines um, under the new name brand um, Aspenovex. Um, this was um, widely received by investors and shareholders, which ended up resulting in the surge in the, in the share price um, today. So, yes, um, as you said previously, the agreement was with regards to, um, in terms of the, the packaging and only packaging, um, but this particular license um, does give them um, the right, obviously, to um, sell the vaccine under the Aspen um, branding, particularly within the African continent. Um, within the um, countries which we know have suffered in terms of the equity, in terms of the distribution of vaccines um, that has taken place um, relative to Western countries. So that is, so this is quite good news that um, was communicated today. And this will probably uh, and is probably um, Africa's last, largest vaccine, um, which uh, Aspen is probably the biggest pharmaceutical country, um, which will provide some equity in terms of the distribution and won't be part of the hoarding that we've seen um, with regards to the, to the global um, countries. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I quite the timing of it. Um, one in the context where, you know, the efficacy of many of these vaccines is requiring booster shots, and we've certainly heard quite a bit about that. But also, I guess the second one is in relation to uh, the latest uh, discovery of the latest variant uh, by us here at home, of, uh, that is the Omicron variant. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is certainly, I guess, a, not just a, a boon for the public health response to COVID-19, but certainly might uh, make many a shareholder out at Aspen very, very happy. Yeah, so you're correct. So this will provide um, Aspen with some um, lever in terms of the headway that they have compared to their peers within the industry. Um, so the deal does allow, um, particularly with the J&J, um, the license in terms of they will get the J&J jab and any other J&J um, booster vaccine or other vaccine that it may be needed for any other variant that may come along our way. Um, Aspen will be licensed to obviously produce that in the African continent, um, particularly at their plant in Kabecha. So this is a, a very much a, a pleasing um, news particularly with the new variant that got a fall off in markets on Friday last week. Um, mm-hmm. However, this news has been much received and will probably be more received as, as we obviously um, get going in terms of the transporting and the distribution of these vaccines um, across mm-hmm. South Africa, but across the continent with regards to um, other African countries um, that will be needing this particular um, vaccine in order to boost in terms of the, boost the, the vaccination rate which we have seen are quite poor in the continent and also particularly in South Africa, 
which the, the take-up has not been as much as we'd like to have seen. Uh-huh. Um, so this particular um, news is well received by the market, and it will be much enjoyed by shareholders um, of Aspen um, going forward. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's shift away, I guess, uh, from uh, uh, the pharmaceutical sector and uh, from Kabecha uh, and uh, head to a very sad story here. And uh, we picked up the story yesterday in our Shop Stewards Corner segment of uh, the Impala Platinum workers who uh, you know, were stuck underground after a mud rush over the last few days or so. And we've now found uh, that some of them have lost their lives um, in uh, certainly a very sad tale, but uh, a tale that we no doubt have become familiar with here in South Africa. Uh, of yeah, so, um, safety yeah. matters and fatalities in the mining sector. Yeah, so the news came out particularly this weekend um, when it was communicated, um, in fact, they communicate um, that there, were, uh, there was a mad, a mad rush incident that took place um, at a shop, um, Rothenberg 6 shop, um, on Sunday, um, which unfortunately has resulted in about three of the five workers um, who went missing on Sunday. However, today they did report that um, three of the, the miners and did lose their lives, um, particularly to this incident. And it obviously has drawn questions and attention um, back to the safety, um, particularly with regards to um, some of the mining companies in terms of the safety requirements and so forth, um, because as we are quite aware of, the deaths um, raised a number of fatalities, particularly in Impala Russell-based operations in the recent days. So, not, so there was another um, fatality that took place of a contract employee, um, which has resulted in about four um, in, in the last few days. So it has brought some questions in terms of the, the mining industry and also the, the mining ministry also did communicate some of the numbers, um, in, particularly in the last few days, about 58 workers died in the industry, and particularly to the accidents um, so far this year, due to some of the deteriorating safety concerns and safety requirements that have taken place um, in some of these mining, uh, mining companies and shops. So it is concerning and has brought light um, into the fatalities that have taken place. And safety um, has been indicated as worthless, um, which is obviously not a good sign. And also, according to the Mineral Councils of South Africa, the industry body um, did also highlight some of the numbers indicating last year they had about 60 deaths in 2020. And obviously this year we've had about 58 fatalities of workers um, underground. It's quite unsettling, I mean, in a favorable commodity price environment, um, which has triggered many of these companies to expand production. And uh, some of the uh, data that has come through, of course, save for just a blip around uh, the hard lockdowns uh, early last year, have shown that uh, there have been a ramp up in production, you know, and uh, even some mothballed operations reopened as well. And it's sad that uh, that hasn't been accompanied by as stringent a focus on safety matters as one would have expected. And uh, we'll continue to take a look at that particular story in our SMME exchange uh, with uh, our SMME that we're going to be speaking to, uh, which is uh, Mutlalefi Engineering. And uh, they operate in a space where they provide uh, you know, safety uh, products and services for many in the mining sector. But Akwana, what do you make of uh, yeah this um, piece of news uh, coming out of Twitter? Uh, now, uh, Jack Dorsey, uh, over the last while, I think many of those who follow him on Twitter, uh, would have seen his announcement that he is exiting stage left. Uh, let's maybe first deal with that exit before we speak about the new CEO. Yeah, so the co-founder of, of, of Twitter, um, Jack Dorsey, um, who has had about a four-year stint 
um, or a couple of states, particularly with Scott Twitter. Um, he came back a few years ago for a second round, a stint of being CEO in 2015. Um, so, yes, um, he came back for a second stint, but however, the company has unfortunately not been as innovative or not been in terms of their annual turnover um, compared to their peers, um, um, such as the likes of Facebook or Meta, if you would like to call it, um, have not been um, as fruitful in terms of revenue and shareholders um, have been wanting some change to be taking place within the company and also leadership change because, as we know, Jack Dorsey, although he was the head, um, particularly at Twitter, um, however, he did have also another stint at another pay service company, um, Square Inc., where he was um, the co-founder of that company, where he was doing due roles with respect to that. So um, the news has been nicely um, received and well-received um, by the market and shareholders and particularly the shareholders, the activist shareholders who've been calling for this change, um, particularly for the company to steer a different direction in terms of um, value creation and also unlocking some of that the value within the company and providing some innovation. Um, because we know that tech companies, um, particularly with regards to when it comes to innovation, we've seen um, that taking place in very well in other establishments. Um, however, Twitter has not been able to reap some of the rewards. And also they've got a solid foundation with over 200 million um, users on Twitter. Um, and I think uh, shareholders and active shareholders just want that value to be unlocked now and just for new direction for the company to take place. Mm. And, I mean, wh- what do you make of the suggestion that many people have been making, that uh, if you compare Twitter to many of the other tech platforms, they haven't been able to innovate in terms of their product mix, introducing new functions, new features, new products, as quickly as some of their competitors have. Um, and many people, I guess, you know, attributing that to an organizational culture that was very, very top-heavy. Yeah, so um, as you indicated, um, the company has been slow um, in terms of rolling out new products and also new features. Um, then also have, they have been good on the acquisition side, but in terms of the new products and new features and just steering the business and providing um, more revenue streams for the business, although they did... Um, introduced the likes of live audio with regards to Twitter space that we've seen um, take off quite well, and also subscriptions that they're trying to also introduce. Um, however, I think that is not enough for some of the shareholders and feel that there are other avenues that are not being unlocked um, where um, previously um, the co-founders and other management have been um, slow to take over in terms of rolling out these changes that need to take place. So yes, um, a lot of the other peers have done um, very well acquisitions and they're obviously embracing um, the next um, generation in terms of tech. Um, however, I think Twitter just needs um, a new uh, lead at the top, which it has gotten, um, in terms of to, to steer it in the right direction. And um, maybe um, in terms of having someone that is focused, um, as you know, as I indicated, Jack Dorsey um, did have um, dual roles with another company that he co-founded. So hopefully this new... Um, management and new executive that has joined and has been at Twitter for quite a while um, will be the right person to steer the company um, to its next level in in terms of innovation, in terms of new products, and in terms of advancements, in terms of machine learning, in terms of Twitter's website. So we hope this is a a, a new um, road for Twitter. And as we know, the platform is quite um, expanding, but we hope this can be uh, quite a significant change. Yeah. You know, a lot of us interact with, with Twitter as users of the platform um, to link up and connect with others. 
Um, and, and I guess the concern for, you know, the new CEO would be around how do you make sure you are monetizing as much of, um, you know, the key areas where a lot of engagement happens. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm quite interested in your thoughts around this because, you know, in many cases, a lot of people have tried to do that via news channels. And we've seen some of the debates, you know, in places like Australia between some of these uh, tech platforms and news companies. Uh, but I guess in the case of, uh, you know, Twitter, they faced with the same challenges of moderating content, making sure that their platforms aren't used for bad and nefarious things, uh, mm. but also potentially not making as much by way of monetizing a lot of the engagement that goes through the platform uh, as much as, say, a Facebook would. Yeah, so um, like Facebook, advertising seems to be um, their biggest revenue, and Twitter just needs to find that balance right. Um, yes, they um, are introducing, as I've indicated, subscriptions. Um, however, they do need to find other avenues um, in, t- in terms of um, bringing in revenue streams and also diversifying their platform in order for it to link back to Twitter for them to enhance um, that whole product offering and the whole value chain that they do have. Um, however, we also we know Twitter, as you've indicated, has been dealt various um, blows, uh, not only in the U.S. with regards to um, some of the political issues and also some of the regulatory issues of politicians. Um, however, on, on, on some countries, um, like you say in Australia, um, the, the country is having a difficult time in terms of just the secrecy and security, um, particularly of the of the software and of the of the site. And also, just they just need to just get that right. Um, I, 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 as a normal person in South Africa, don't know how they can get it right, but I'm sure um, mm. the likes of the new uh, management that has come through or the new person that has been um, put at the helm um, will find some way in terms of that. Yeah, and that is Parag Agrawal. Uh, he's the new CEO out at Twitter Inc. Uh, and uh, I understand an Indian national who has worked for the likes of AT&T, Yahoo, uh, and uh, Microsoft as well. Um, and uh, he's certainly going to, I guess, be faced with some challenges. A lot is going to be in his inbox, least of all. Uh, the showdown between the platform he now leads and uh, the governing party of uh, his own home country of India. Yeah, so um, as we all as we haven't heard, um, Parag Agrawal, um, who was previously the chief um, technology officer, um, has been named um, to succeed the co-founder of Jack Dorsey. Um, so Parag has been at the Twitter, particularly for the last um, decade, um, as you've indicated, um, having um, studied and of the Indian descent um, studied IT, um, particularly in Bombay, and also having a doctorate from Stanford University. So he's been entrusted um, to obviously steer um, this new venture um, forward and also providing some um, clarity in some of the other value unlocks um, that need to take place. Um, so he'll be taking forth um, next year um, when um, Jack Dorsey um, is, is said to be um, stepping aside. Mm. And I guess it's going to be a massive change. I mean, not just for the markets, but even the society. I mean, Jack Dorsey is a, a very, very public figure. Um, you know, what some people might even call a socialite of sorts. And, um, you know, somebody who's quite a, somewhat of a superstar in, you know, tech, startup circles and the like. And uh, it seems Agrawal maybe cuts a more quieter and a more, you know, uh, a much more sort of leaner and slimmer image than, uh, you know, the the person in whose boots he has to fill now. Yeah, so Dorsey, um, as you've indicated, um, was quite um, being with famous celebrity friends, um, but however, as well as said to be more of a low-key, um, presently unknown, um, probably an 
un- uncontroversial um, um, individual. Um, so we do know little of him, and he's, he's very much a very much a, a private person. Um, however, it is the opposite um, of what Jack Dorsey is. So um, I think shareholders and investors are hoping um, just the new direction, the new leadership, and also being at the helm of CTO, Chief Technology Officer, um, for close to a decade, um, and him knowing the company and also being able to provide some innovative solutions for the company will be able to steer the company going forward. Um, so maybe um, his low profile will obviously count to his benefits. Um, so we hope that um, he can make some of the leader change that needs to take place at the company. Yeah, and I guess he's been there since 2011. So, you know, one would think that uh, he, he, he knows a lot about how this particular entity has evolved. And I think mm. markets are going to be watching very closely uh, what becomes uh, uh, his vision going forward. But it does seem, I mean, just from the pressure from some of the institutional investors, uh, that they've set down the gauntlet for him, some very ambitious targets that he needs to meet in terms of growing user revenue, in terms of getting the engagement metrics up, in terms of generally just making sure that the business model of a social media platform like Twitter uh, is one that uh, is able to generate some very generous returns. Uh, for many of the investors who've raised concerns, concerns which I guess have led now uh, to the exit of uh, uh, one of the co-founders here, Jack Dorsey. Correct, Aya. And, you know, the other thing, uh, Akwan, I want us to, to maybe just talk about briefly is around uh, the big news today. I mean, unemployment numbers coming out of Stats SA, uh, unemployment climbing from 34.4% to 34.9%. And uh, yeah, nearly shy of a million people not economically active, either discouraged or have effectively been ejected from the labor market. What do these numbers tell us about the state of health of the South African economy? Um, just, I think it paints a picture that we've all known, um, and it's a picture that is quickly deteriorating. Um, as you indicated, um, Stats SA um, today released um, the unemployment numbers. Um, and they're quite dire, and no um, changes or significant changes um, from the previous quarter that they reported. Um, so in the last quarter, um, Q3 of 2021, um, about 660 um, people were um, less employed um, with regards to South Africa, therefore increasing the unemployment rate um, from 34.9%, um, from 34.5% to 34.9%. Um, and also in terms of the expanded version, that's um, also been um, quite dismal, increasing um, by 2.2 points from the previous quarter um, to 46.6, which is the expanded unemployment, which is um, dire. Aya. And it's one that, um, as we saw in July, um, with regards to the riots that did take place, um, a number of factors were the main contributors. Um, however, we all know some of the underlying issues has been unemployment um, inequality that has continued to increase in South Africa and has not improved. Yeah, so some of the provinces, the not three largest provinces, economic hubs, um, um, also decreased employment, um, particularly in the Western Cape. Um, the Western Cape also saw a decrease in employment. Um, Housing also saw about 200,000 people um, lose work jobs, and in case it ends, just over 123. Um, thousands and um, people losing their jobs. So it is quite dire. Um, so we just hope that the changes, the structural changes need to be implemented and regulatory environment needs to be enabling for entrepreneurs um, who can be part of the solution with regards to um, this unemployment number that keeps 
um, tricking up um, ever so much every single quarter. And, and I guess, I mean, if we think about the sectoral composition of some of where the jobs have been gained and where they might have been lost in some cases, I mean, I can't run away from the fact that, you know, um, aside from maybe the financial services sector um, and maybe, you know, community and social services as the main employers, uh, that uh, these numbers continue to show the jobs bloodbath that we're seeing in manufacturing mm-hmm. and in trade. And the trade took a massive knock uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, yet to recover, it seems. Uh, so if you compare, for instance, the numbers, uh, you know, number of people who were employed in the trade sector in the same quarter in 2019, there was just over 3.4 million uh, employed in the trade sector at that time. And uh, if you look at uh, the same quarter now, two years later, uh, after the pandemic, um, you know, just over 2.7 million uh, people mm. uh, employed in that sector. So it continues to bleed, uh, even mm. though there has been an opening up somewhat of uh, wholesale, retail and trade. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess uh, that's the one sector alongside manufacturing and others uh, mm. that uh, certainly is some cause for concern. Yeah, so, so very much concern, um, Aya. So as you indicated, I think the only sector which um, did um, provide um, some increase in employment um, was the finance sector, um, which saw on, on quarter on quarter um, the change of about 6.1%. Um, however, um, industries and sectors such as the trade, um, however, declined um, by 10% quarter and quarter. Um, the construction, the mining, agriculture were all down um, with regards to the, the quarter and quarter um, numbers that did come out. So it is quite dire. Um, I think. We just need to find ways in terms of just providing solutions to some of the challenges that we see. Yes, COVID has hampered some of the recovery. And I'm sure the the new variant um, that we saw last week, uh, that we um, were communicated towards last week, and the president speaking to us on Sunday, um, which um, did provide some relief that no further lockdowns and touch wood won't be implemented. But um, these sectors are... are bleeding in terms of labor and in terms of employees. And also what is most significant is that um, black African women um, seem to be the most vulnerable with regards to um, unemployment, particularly in South Africa, and yeah. um, hitting um, in excess of about 40%. And this situation um, with regards to not only females, but um, in terms of um, black African and colored population groups, um, seem to be the most vulnerable, particularly in the labor market. Um, and that's, this needs to be um, sorted and obviously a, a challenge mm. for government, a challenge for all of us in terms of finding yeah. solutions um, to um, just bring us back um, to, um, to times when there was direction, our economy was growing. Um, so this is, is, is a challenging environment for, for the country, for the leadership. Um, and we hope next year, March, when the social grants do come to an end, um, I hope and we hope that there, are, there is some relief because these numbers won't deteriorate um, anytime soon, mm. particularly in the short to medium term, that some news comes out in terms of providing relief um, for those yeah. that are very much dependent on the grants that um, have been brought back, however, will be ending next year, March. So we yeah. just hope these rights won't um, come up again, but um, we are, if solutions aren't found and if solutions are affected, um, unfortunately, we could see more riots um, within mm. the, the next coming years. Akonam Lamleli, as always, a pleasure catching up with you, and uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us tonight. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks. Bye.
that there was a Kona Mlamlele portfolio manager, 27 for investment managers. And I think Akona, yeah, um, hit the nail on the head there. That if you look at the occupational categories that primarily employ African women, uh, many of them have taken a massive beating. Uh, and I think if one considers, uh, just an example, I mean, the sales and services sector, which has uh, seen a year-on-year change of a quarter of a million jobs lost. Uh, and uh, cited domestic workers, 856,000 uh, domestic workers in employment in the third quarter of this year. And if you compare that to the third quarter of 2019, uh, which is just, uh, what, 40, what, yeah, 24 months earlier, um, there were over a million domestic workers uh, who worked between July and September of 2019 in the labor market. And uh, the same period this year, 856,000. What do you make of that? Do let us know. You can reach us at our WhatsApp line on 079-191-4270. Let's take this brief break. And when we come back, we continue taking a look at those unemployment numbers. A very good evening, Ayaboga. A record high of unemployment rate in South Africa. This is M. Come through. A very good evening, Ayaboga. A record high of unemployment rate in South Africa. This is embarrassing and uncalled for. Who is fooling who here? The government is doing nothing while our own people are losing jobs day by day while foreigners are getting jobs day by day. You know what, Ayabonga? One day the ANC, the government, the ruling party will chew these chilies that they...